faith. We have that same struggle. We may come and look like we have it all together, but we have doubts. We have insecurities. We have weaknesses. We too have issues, young and old, when it comes to understanding God. Last week we saw the, the, the Lord bring needed reformation to Gideon's life and to the life of Israel. Rejection of idolatry, restoration of true worship, restoration of communion, restoration of fellowship. And now this morning we're going to talk about a part of Gideon's life and story that many of you are most familiar with. There will be Gideon and his fleece. Gideon and his fleece. Now here is God's word. Judges 6, beginning in verse 33. Now all the Midianites and the Malachites and the people of the east came together. And they crossed the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. For the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. And he sounded the trumpet. And the Abizrites were called to follow him. And he sent out messengers throughout all Manasseh. And they too were called out to follow him. He sent messengers to Asher and Zebion and Naphtali, and they went up to meet him as well. Then Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I'm laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece alone, and if it's dew on the ground, if it's if there's dew on the ground, if there's dew on the fleece alone. And if the ground, the dry on the ground all around, then I would know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he squeezed enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God again, Let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece alone. And on the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. And it was dry on the fleece only. And on the ground there was dew. This is God's word. Please pray with us for me. Father, as we come once again to your truth, Lord, help us not to come lightly. Help us not to come just to check off a box, but help us to come with open hearts. Help us to come, Lord, willing to receive whatever the Spirit is going to reveal to us about ourselves, about what you require of us. You know each and every person here. You know where they are in their faith. You know if they don't know you. You know their struggles. You know their darkest secrets. You know the real us. And so that's what we need you to minister to today, the person we try to hide. The person we are when no one else is around. Minister to that person. Bring us to a place of a greater trust in you. Help us to Lord, Holy Spirit. Minister to our hearts. Draw us closer to the heart of Christ. And I pray for this in Christ's name. Amen. Judges 6, verses 33 and 40 are what I call a transition marker in the Gideon narrative. And here's what I mean. The story moves from Gideon's call, from his struggles with Yahweh, from his request for a sign, for uh, his fears, him building the altar to Yahweh, and from, him build, from Yahweh giving him reformation. 
and from Gideon's name been changed. It moves from those things to where we are in verses 33 to 40. Here, Gideon begins his role as Israel's judge. He begins that transition to fulfill the role that God has called him to serve in. The section begins with the return of three nomadic groups of people who have oppressed Israel for years. These groups have returned to Israel to oppress them even more. And nomads, if you know what nomads are, they are people who have no homeland. All they do is travel from place to place looking for more pastures for their livestock to feed on. They are nomadic allies is what these people are. And they have come from the southern part of the region, crossed over the Jordan River, going north to the city of Jezreel to encamp in the valley of Jezreel. The word Jezreel means Yahweh souls. It's a fitting name for this valley because historically and even today, it's the most fertile land in the, in the region. It's the most fertile land in all the region. And these nomadic groups of people know that. They can see it. And that's why they're encamping in the valley. The harvest has come to Israel. The crops are ready. The pastures are green. And now these herd of people are there to take them once again. To raid the lands once again. Judges 6 4 through 6 tells us what it's like when these people come into Israel. It says they will encamp against Israel and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza. They leave no subsistence in Israel, no sheep, no ox, no donkey. They will come up with their livestock in their tents. They will come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted. They lay waste the land as they came History is getting ready to repeat itself in Israel. History is getting ready to repeat itself. These three groups are preparing to lay waste the land just one more time. But, oh yes, I love a good B-U-T in scripture. (laughs) It's like a good amen. It points to the Lord. The nomads have encamped against God's people. But Yahweh is coming this time. This time, things are going to be different. This time, they're going to meet someone they haven't met before. He's getting ready to do something. He's getting ready to interrupt their plans. He's getting ready to fight for his people. He's getting ready to supernaturally intervene on behalf of Israel into their oppression. Verse 34 says, but the, but the spirit of Yahweh clothes Gideon. The spirit of Yahweh clothes Gideon. Not in the sense of Gideon being possessed, where, this, where, this, where Gideon just disappears from his own body and he's no longer in control. He doesn't know what's going on. That's not the case. The spirit clothes him like a garment. Like a, like a garment that you wear, like a jacket you have on during the winter time. So Gideon wears the spirit of Yahweh. And this is not unusual in Scripture. Zechariah was clothed in the spirit in Second Chronicles. 2420. And, in, and Jesus says in Luke 4.18, the spirit of the Lord is on me. The spirit of the Lord is clothing me. And even Peter, in Acts 4, was filled with the Holy Spirit when he spoke before the Jewish council. So men in scriptures are, are clothed with the spirit for a particular reason, for a particular purpose, for a particular cause. 
And in Judges 6, we know the reason. We know the cause and we know the purpose. He's been clothed with the Spirit to fulfill his calling to be a judge who will deliver Israel from their oppression. Yahweh isn't going to send Gideon out in his own power. Now they're going to send him out in his own strength. He's sending them out in the power of the Lord. Yahweh's presence is power. See, there are times and seasons in your own life where you will be clothed with an extra measure of the Spirit's power to fulfill whatever it is God is going to call you to do. Whatever it is, He will give you that power to do it. And when that happens, you will be empowered. You will be enabled to do what God wants you to do. Because the spirit clothing of Gideon is Gideon being empowered and equipped to do what God wants him to do. It's enabling power. Power from on high that comes to him. And so in your same way, in whatever the callings that God has upon your life, parents, spouses, siblings, student, homemaker, employee, boss, advocate for different causes, whatever you feel like God has called you to do, there will be times he will clothe you with extra measure of the Spirit to fulfill that calling. You have to listen. Gideon rises out of hiding. He rises out of fear in the Spirit's power. Don't forget, the last time we saw Gideon, he was hiding in his daddy's house because his life was being threatened. Don't forget the verses that we just preached on. He was nowhere to be found. He was hiding. Now, all of a sudden, he's, he's bold. Why is that? Because the Spirit has moved. The Spirit has moved, equipping him with confidence, giving Gideon a little swag, if I may say, a little bounce in his step, had his chest poked out a little more. Him stepping into the role of a judge is what is taking place in these verses. Taking, stepping out into a leadership role, being empowered by the Spirit of God. And he does three things. As a result of the Spirit's power, he sounds the trumpet. He gathers followers. He delegates messengers. Look at verses 33, 34, and 35. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet. The trumpet. Shafar is the, is the, is the Hebrew word, and that has, has historical significance, particularly in military affairs. The sound of the trumpet usually means a rally call for the men of Israel to come to join the battle, prepare for war. It's a call to join the army. And Gideon sounds the trumpet because he's the leader. He's the one who's been called to lead, the one who's been called to be the judge, the one who's been called to deliver the people. Next, he, he gathers men from his own tribe, his own tribe. And if you remember, he said his tribe is the weakest tribe in Manasseh. But they're the first ones that come to his side. They're the first ones there. And then he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh. That's East Manasseh, West Manasseh, to all, and to the three northern tribes. He sent messengers to all the men of Israel in the area, and they all come to him. 32,000 men are now standing before Gideon. These aren't military soldiers. Know that. They're not soldiers. They're not trained soldiers. These are farmers who have been called to protect their land 
from those who are coming in to raid it. Things have gotten real for Gideon. And he has one of those oh my goodness moments. <laughs> the kind you have when you agree to do something, but when the time comes, you say, why did I agree to that? What in the world have I gotten myself into? You feel it. He feels it. His body feels it. Because then he's surrounded by 32,000 men. He feels and senses the weight and the burden of what lies before him as the sixth judge of Israel. He'd never been a judge before. Where was he when the angel of the Lord came to him? He was hiding in the wine press, beating out wheat in the wine press, hiding. And now, standing before him are 32,000 men looking for him for leadership, for direction, for guidance. And so, oh yes, he has a oh-my-goodness moment. Now, none of you are being called to be a judge like Gideon is a judge here. But God has called you to be something. Whatever you're doing, your job, student, if you're married, if you have kids, you have callings from the Lord God. Pastors, elders, deacons, you have a calling from the Lord to do something. And in all these callings, do you ever have an oh my goodness moment? Because of all the responsibility that lies before you. I do as a dad. I do as a husband. Because it's a huge responsibility. You can feel overwhelmed at times. You can cry out to the Lord for help. It's not just true for grown-ups. Even kids have oh my goodness moments. Because they go, through, they go through things as well. They do. Particularly if you're in middle school. Whew, you go through stuff. And so getting is in that place now. Even as the Spirit of God clothes him, he still has struggles. Please know that. The Spirit doesn't just take away his humanity. His humanity is still intact. Getting is still present in his own body. And so in the midst of this, oh my goodness, moment, he turns to the Lord and asks for help. In verses 36 through 40. He goes to the Lord and asks for another sign, a second sign. This time he wants proof of promise, proof that the Lord would be faithful to his promise to him. Remember, Gideon is not a model of morality for us. His life is a broken picture of humanity, a picture of those who struggle to believe and serve the Lord. You all have those struggles. None of us have it all together. Okay, how much theology we know, or however long we've been believers. We still have these struggles with him. And that's a lesson of faith we have to learn, that we still have struggles with the Lord. So in verses 36 and 37, still clothed with the Spirit. Don't forget that. He is still clothed with the Spirit. He says to the Lord, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, Behold, I'm laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece alone, and if it's dry on all the ground, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Now, the modern thought on Gideon and his fleece is that Gideon is using the fleece to determine God's will. That's the modern interpretation of these verses. That he's using the fleece to determine God's will for his life. 
But that is not the case. That is not the case. When you look at these verses in context of all of Judges 6, you will see that's not true. You see, Gideon has what I call Yahweh issues. Like you have Yahweh issues. When the angel of the Lord came to Gideon, he had Yahweh issues. In Judges 6, verses 11 through 13, there were beliefs that he held about Yahweh that wasn't true. That was not true. But he held those beliefs because of what he was going through. Because of what he was suffering. Is the reason why he believed these things about God. The angel came to him and says, Yahweh is with you, almighty man of great courage. While he was in the wine press beating out the wheat. And what did Gideon say to him? Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all these things happened to us? Tell me that. Where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us? That he delivered us out of Egypt. Where are these wonderful deeds? No, the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. That is what he believes about Yahweh. That is what he believes because of what he's going through. He is saying that Yahweh is not faithful. His presence isn't faithful. And he's not faithful to his promises. That's what those words mean. And here's the thing. That is where the Lord is going to minister to Gideon and his Yahweh issues. Because Yahweh's presence and Yahweh's promises are the very things that he needs to fulfill his call. But if he doubts those things, he can't do it. If you doubt his presence and his promise, you can't fulfill the call he has upon your life. So he's got to minister to those things. And he does that for Gideon. If he says Yahweh has forsaken us, he is saying Yahweh is not faithful anymore. He has abandoned us. Yahweh isn't faithful to what he said he's going to do. Gideon has doubts about this. And Yahweh meets him in these issues and ministers to them and brings them to a place of greater trust. Please know that, that these, the things that take place after the, this discussion with the angel was the Lord showing Gideon that his presence is faithful. Gideon asked for a sign. Show me a sign that it is you who is speaking with me. God gave him the sign to prove that his presence is there. He built an altar to the Lord that Yahweh is peace. Yahweh's presence is peaceful. And then last week we talked about you know, the reformation that he brought to Israel. So in those verses that we talked about last week, what we learn about Yahweh's presence, that he's personal and he's relational. Because he told Gideon, build an altar to Yahweh, your God. His presence is also awe. His presence is also reverence. And in verse 33, his presence is also power. Because the Spirit of God clothed Gideon. So the Lord ministers to Gideon's doubts about God's presence. And now... He's going to minister to Gideon's doubts about God's promises to him. So in verses 36 and 40, the Lord is going to do the same thing. The sign of the fleece served the same purpose as the sign Gideon asked for in Judges 6, 17. Here, there he wanted proof for presence. Now he wants proof for promise. Proof that Yahweh will be faithful to what he promised him. Gideon says, to the Lord, if you will save Israel by my hand, 
as you have said. The bar is the word that is Hebrew word that is translated said. That word can also mean promise in Hebrew. So he is saying, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised me. When did he make the promise? To save Israel by his hand in Judges 6, 14 and 16. God said this to Gideon, go in this might of yours and save Israel from Midian. I will be with you. You shall strike the Midianites as one man. That's the promise that Gideon is referring to. And he wants proof that the Lord will be faithful to that promise to him. Now, the, now so he asked for this sign. Now, there's a part A and part B to the sign. And here's the purpose. And here's what he's doing. He says he wants the Lord to make the fleece different from all the other things that are around it. That's, the whole, that's what he's asking. Make the fleece different from all the other things that are around it. So what he's asking for is a miraculous sign. He wants to see a wonderful deed from the Lord. And the Lord gives it to him. He responds to it. He does it. He does everything that Gideon asked him to do because he's ministering to Gideon's unbelief. He's ministering to his doubts about God being faithful to his promises. Do you ever struggle to believe that God will be faithful to his promises? Or do you always have it all together every time? No. You do struggle to believe it. You do struggle, just like me. And so the Lord does what Gideon asks. The Lord does it. Not once, but twice. I said earlier that these verses are often seen as Gideon using the fleece to determine God's will, but that's not the case. Miles Van Pelt, he's a uh, seminary professor, RTS Jackson. In his sermon on these verses, he says, The fleece isn't a means to determine God's will, but the fleece is laid out in response to God's will. Two different things. Think about that. You see, Gideon already knows God's will for his life here. He already knows it. He doesn't need to determine or discover the will. The will was revealed to him when the angel of the Lord came to him early in Judges 6 when he was in the wine press. He knows it. He knows the will. He sounds the trumpet because he knows the will. He sends out delegates to get more men to come to him because he knows God's will. And he lays up the fleece. Because he knows God's will. His issue is he needs help to submit to the will that he already knows. And to believe the promise that was made to him. Do you need help submitting? You need help believing? So you may need to lay out a fleece. To help you believe and submit to what God has already called you to do. Remember Gideon has this oh my goodness moment. 32,000 men standing and waiting for him for leadership. He feels the weight of responsibility, the burden of what lies before him. There is fear. He's overwhelmed, and you will be too. Admitting you have struggles, fears, and doubts, and unbelief isn't the absence of faith. It takes faith to admit those things to God. It takes faith to admit that. Yes, it does. Do you admit these things to God? Do you? His request isn't a lack of faith. It's him putting his faith into practice. I hope you realize that that Gideon 
is in the great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 12. You do realize that, right? He's one of the great cloud of witnesses. He's one of the great examples of faith. Gideon is. In those verses, Hebrews 11, 33 and 34, it says of Gideon and, and others, through faith they conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, clenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness. This is Gideon being made strong out of his weakness. Being made strong out of his weakness. So the fleece isn't being used to determine God's will. It's being used to confirm it. To confirm the will and promise that Gideon already knows. He said again in verse 37, he says, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, behold, I'm laying out this fleece on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece alone and dry on all the ground, I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised. He wants to know it. He is saying, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Yahweh helps him. And he will help you. You struggle to submit to God's will in your life. You struggle to believe his promises to you. I do as well. And we all, sometimes we all need to lay out a fleece that helps us to, to submit and, and believe it. Some of you need to lay out a fleece to submit to God's will for your marriage. And your fleece, maybe you need to go to marriage counseling. That's your fleece. And you know who you are. Some of you need to submit to God's will that is expressed in Micah 6, 8. He has told you, old man, what is good. What does the Lord require you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Building cross-cultural relationships could be your fleece to help you do better, do justice better, and to understand it better. If you are not a believer, then God's will for your life is that you become a believer. So that means that you need to surrender your life to Jesus today in faith. That's his will for your life if you don't know him. Because Christ came to die for your sins. And his will for you today is that you will come to Jesus in saving faith and surrender your life to him. That's his will for you if you're not a believer. If you are a believer, his will for your life is that you live a godly life. His will for your life is that you love your neighbor as yourself, including your enemies. And some of you need to be laying places for that right now, including myself, because we don't love our enemies, particularly during political season time and election time. Scriptures are filled with God's will and promises. Our struggle is submission and belief. We struggle with submission and belief. Admit your struggles. Be honest with him. It's okay. He already knows. Be real with yourself. And admit, Lord, I have struggles here. I don't believe this. Jesus admitted this. You realize that? Jesus' admission in the garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross in Luke 22. Do you remember what he said? What he was going through? Jesus withdrew from, Jesus withdrew from the disciples about a thong stroll. He knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. What cup is he talking about? Is it a cup of Kool-Aid? 
the Coca-Cola Cola, Sprite. He's talking about the cross. But he also says, not my will, but your will be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven to strengthen him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Even Jesus knew what it's like to struggle to submit to the will of God. And he asked for help. Are you greater than Jesus? Praise God that he was strengthened and he submitted to the will because if he didn't, we are lost in our sins to this day. So do you want help for your marriage, help for your callings? Then you need to remember this table. This wonderful, wonderful, wonderful table. Remember it. Look at it. Because in this table, you can get help with your unbelief. This table, can, through the Spirit, he can help you submit to God's will for your life. Because this table is always a reminder to each and every one of you what Jesus did on the cross for your sins. It's a reminder that though he struggled in the garden, though he struggled, he still submitted. He still went to the cross. He was still beaten. He was still crucified for you. Let this sink into your heart. For you. For you. For your sins. For your sins. When you were his enemy. When you hated God. When you didn't love God. When you threw up the finger and your fist to God. Christ went to the cross for you. Does that pierce you? Does that humble you? And so if you're struggling today as a believer, struggling to submit, struggling to believe, then the God the Father invites you to receive this meal to be strengthened in your faith and in your walk. If you don't know Jesus, if you have not made a profession of faith to him, then I ask you to observe what we do today. Observe what we're doing today. And if you have questions about what it means to receive Christ and have a relationship with Christ, please come see me. We can go in my office and we can talk about Jesus. I can tell you how you can get saved. The question is, do you want it? Do you want it? And you, if the Spirit's tugging on your heart, there's just Him working. My parents will ask the kids with you who have not been welcomed to the table or accepted to the table by the church that you attend that they will abstain from the elements until they made a profession of faith. Now, kids, this is my favorite part in the Lord's Supper. I need all of you to look at me. Let me see all the kids, because I'm your pastor and your reverend, too. This meal is more than just bread and juice. It's a reminder to each and every one of you what Jesus did for you. There are those in this world who don't believe Jesus died on the cross. There are those in this world who don't believe he rose again. But I'm telling you, he died for you. And as, as your pastor, it's my prayer that each and every one of you will one day come to saving faith and be able to partake of this meal with your mom and dad. That's my prayer for you. That's your prayer, that's your prayer for your parents, that you will receive Jesus one day as your Lord and Savior. Because at the, in the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters is your eternity, where you will be in eternity. We want you to go to glory with us.
And so we pray for that. I'd like to call the officers that are assisting with communion today. And I also ask, we have a moment of time to ask the Holy Spirit to prepare your heart for the table. Ask him to prepare your heart to receive the elements.